The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Hello, 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 everyone. Okay, there we go. <clears throat> Tanisha's just ready to go. There are a couple things we want to cover right before Advent. <clears throat> the first is um, that you all will make a promise not to talk about the World Cup because some of us don't know how it ended. So just as, as a way to, to love your brother and sister in Christ. <clears throat> um, <laughs> everyone's like, there's a World, there's a world Cup happening? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Um, and then uh, right before Advent, we want to take some time to, uh, I'm looking to see if I can see it. Uh, there we go, Pat Steele. Um, we're going to invite Pat Steele up and um, <clears throat> just pray a blessing over him and thank him. Pat has been an elder off and on really for the, um, the entire time we have been gathering as a refuge church and he's taken season on and off and He's had a really busy season lately and is going to take, a, take another break. So um, I just want to take some time to honor him and uh, pray for him and give you guys an opportunity to do that with me. So thank you, Pat. We love you. Father, thank you for my brother, our brother, Pat. As I was studying the story of Joseph for today, the word just faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness kept coming, and that is also such an appropriate word to use to describe Pat. He's been very faithful, has been um, especially near in times that have been challenging. God, I pray that this season of taking a break will will be refreshing. And the, the boundaries he set on his time uh, will be able to be honored. That Yeah, this will be a, a time marked by health, both spiritually and physically. God, you say that he who honors you, you honor. And so we, we just know you honor Pat and... Um, I pray for this church as he oftentimes is quiet, will take notice and honor him with compliments and encouragement uh, for the great work he has done and will continue to do just as he serves here at Coffee O. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, I love you. Okay, now, Shanice, it is your turn. Jesus has come, Jesus is coming again, and that is what we celebrate with Advent, which means coming, that... Just as Israel long awaited the coming of Jesus, we wait for his return together. Okay, my name is Shanice Lee. This is my husband, Ryan. And this is not our baby, but we, but we are borrowing her. <laughs> um, so this is Advent number three, the eternal light. As we reflect on Jesus' first coming, or Christ's first coming, we also turn our thoughts towards the second Advent we await. <clears throat> when Christ will 
will come again in glory. This week, meditate upon Christ's, Christ's promised return, when he will one day reign over his kingdom and, long, and, live, and live among us as our eternal light. Consider also the wondrous mystery of the incarnation, our glorious eternal king, so loved the world that he humbled himself to take on human flesh. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. Uh, please quiet your hearts as we light the third candle this morning, remembering all the way Jesus is the eternal light. Thank you. Let's just take some time uh, personally to remember Jesus is the light of the world and um, in your own heart, if there's shadows in it, to just invite him to come light up your own heart, light up your own life. Um, So take a couple minutes and then I'll, I'll pray for us as we begin. God, you've told us in your word that you are light and in you there's no darkness. God, I do pray very specifically for the shadows we still feel lingering in our own lives, the ways that we go back to the shadows, we go back to darkness instead of living in your light being holy like you are holy, uh, we pray. Um, we'll feel invited. We'll, we'll respond to your invitation again to walk with you. An invitation of Jesus, come and see. We do ask for forgiveness for God, those ways that we have participated in darkness rather than your light. God, I pray that we will... Um, just enjoy seeing the Christmas story again, the true story of Jesus coming. See what it means. We'll be changed by it. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The story of Christmas <clears throat> is the same each year, but we hear it in a new way. We have been changed by years of, of hopes, dreams, fears, and failures. The story of Jesus finds us in that new place. Salvation comes personally. God speaking our language, sharing our spaces. 
In this series, we will see how God communicated personally with each person invited into the Christmas story, and we hope that you will hear his personal invitation to salvation again this year. What do you do when life doesn't turn out like you planned it? What do you do when your life doesn't turn out like you planned it? That is the big question of the day. I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that none of you have experienced your lives going exactly the way you thought it would be, should be, or planned it to be. My life has not been the way I thought it would be, should be, or planned it to be. And that has been a reason over and over again for me to be frustrated, confused, to doubt, to experience heartache, because my plans are hard to let go of. Especially the ones that seem like they were good all the way through. They were righteous. It's not like I did something wrong and then I feel like it's a consequence or I'm happy it ended. I feel like, man, God, I feel like I honored you through, I prayed through it, and all of a sudden it just changed. Course correction, but I don't feel like it's really a correction. What do we do when that happens in our lives? There's a story that is one of the most popular of the Bible called the story of the prodigal son. And the story of the prodigal son isn't that story, but I do feel like the story of the older son is that story. His story isn't told very often, but it's the story of someone who did everything right, it seems like. His younger brother was a punk. He, like, did everything wrong and left. And and yet, even in the story, he's the hero in some ways. He comes, and then everyone celebrates, and we're left with an older brother who seems like he's done everything right, honored his father over and over and over again. And then he just feels like he's the one on the outside. He actually is, at the end of the story, the one on the outside. Life changed, and all of a sudden, it's not going the way that that he planned it. When this happens, I think the betrayal really comes from this (laughs) feeling that if I do this, God really should respond by doing this. If I do this, I deserve this. It doesn't seem fair the way God treats us sometimes. But it isn't because of fairness that you have been saved. (laughs) Thanks, Ben, for saying amen. I don't know if that's what everybody's feeling right now. (laughs) It isn't because of fairness you've been saved. It is because grace you've been saved. And it's not of yourself, it is a gift of God. God doesn't give us what we deserve, he gives us better than we deserve. And that feels impossible to believe, probably even for where you're at right now, that God is giving you better than you deserve when what you feel like you deserved was the thing he maybe said no to. But we can say this because the Bible isn't primarily a book about your career, your relationships, and your five-year plan. The Bible is a book about God's plan of salvation and restoration. That is what he gives you that is better than what you deserve. That is what the Bible is about. 
Do I need to read that again? Should we just go back and just, just sit there for a second? We can say that we get what is better than we deserve because the Bible isn't a book primarily about your career, your relationships, and your five-year plan. It is a book about God's plan of salvation and restoration. So what do we do? Is that just enough? Should we just go home and just sit with that? Yeah, I feel like that's a lot, but we're not even to the story of Joseph yet. So what do we do when life doesn't turn out like you planned? And, and this is the truth I think we get from Joseph's story, is we pursue God in those present circumstances. We pursue God in that course redirect and focus on what God has already given that is better than we deserve. So, with that, <clears throat> we're going to enter the story of Joseph, which I really believe is preaching this message to us. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 1. We're going to start in verse 18 and go to the end of the chapter, verse 25. <clears throat> this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because, that, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So I just have a couple simple questions for us that we're going to walk through. And the first is, who is Joseph? What do we know about this guy? Um, as I was reading, I came across a cute story <clears throat> about um, a children's play at a church where they were just going to you know, bring all the kids together, dress them in their parents' bathrobes, and have them do the nativity. Um, so you have Mary, Joseph, Wiseman, you know, all, all the different parts. <clears throat> well, Joseph came down with a head cold day of the play, and called, mother called, and said, hey, our little Joseph won't be able to go that night. <clears throat> and the person throwing the play, or running the play, said, well, we don't have someone to fill in, but really, who's going to miss Joseph anyway? <clears throat> they weren't talking about that person's child. They were talking about the, <laughs> the character in the play. But it is easy to overlook Joseph in the story of Christmas. It, it really is. I mean, we hear his name all the time, but really, what role does he play? <clears throat> Joseph's story is helpful for us also in this way because it's easy for us to feel overlooked in our lives, right? To feel like if I didn't show up, it wouldn't really matter. But this story does tell us that God noticed Joseph, and he is a very important part in the greatest story of all time. 
these three things we know about Joseph. The first is that Joseph is in the, in the line of David. And, and I didn't start at verse one of Matthew one because it is just a list of very hard to pronounce names. It is the genealogy proving that Joseph is in the line of King David, just like the Old Testament prophesied that Jesus would be in the line of David. Now, both Mary and Joseph are in the line of David, but they, they would only really say that Jesus was if he was adopted by Joseph. And so <clears throat> Joseph was in the line of David, just like was predicted in 2 Samuel and Isaiah 11. We also know about Joseph that Joseph was pledged to be married. What a time of life. You know, I, I think oftentimes people read this very cynically, like, like back then, marriage wasn't about romance, it was just kind of this social contract, and, but let me tell you, they partied harder for marriages back then than we do now. It was like, it was months that <laughs> there was preparation, and when they got to it, it was like a whole week of feasting. I mean, Jesus' first miracle was... What? It was, it was a wedding where they ran out of wine because they drank too much, right? That, that was the dynamic of weddings back then. So if, if you're like, well, they weren't really attached. They were more attached socially, and the expectation was even bigger than anything you can imagine today. So he was pledged to be married. They were partying. Wedding was probably on the way. And then Mary brings him a message. But we're not, that, we're not to that point part yet. The third thing we know about Joseph is this, that Joseph was, it says, faithful to the law. And this can be translated a couple ways. If, if you read different translations, sometimes it'll say Joseph was a righteous man, Joseph was a good man, Joseph was a just man. And literally what this means is Joseph did what the word of the Lord said, what God commands Joseph would do. Um, it can be described as this, and I love this description. It says, one who is as they ought to be. I, I, <laughs> that's such a great description. Man, if someone described me, that, I feel like that would be the best compliment. Daniel is as he ought to be. That is who Joseph is. He is somebody who's doing the right thing, and because he's doing the right thing, probably expects that the right thing will happen to him, that his life will be blessed, that there won't be maybe unexpected things that come his way. But Joseph doesn't realize yet, <clears throat> being faithful to the law, that God is going to do something that absolutely is outside of his boundaries of understanding. God's going to test his faithfulness in a way. God's going to, going to ask something of him that he really will only know how to say yes to if God shows up. And if this hasn't happened to you in your life, you're waiting for a Joseph moment. I think in everybody's life of faith, there's probably a moment that it has to go outside of your bounds of understanding. Something God invites you to in a really unique way. I truly believe if we pursue faithfulness to God, he will lead us according to his will in ways that test our will and test our resolve of faith to follow him in that place. And that's where Joseph is, where we find him here. How does Joseph told this crazy news of Christmas? Well, um, it's so unique if you compare it to the other stories we've already told. 
We've looked at Zechariah, who was told by an angel in the temple, right? This is the whole, whole series. Reason for the season is the reason that God told each person for Jesus' coming. And Zechariah was the first one. God showed up in a place he was familiar with, the holy place. Angel came to him and spoke to him. Second, the, the wise men. God gave them a supernatural revelation in the star, it seemed like. They're communicated with that way. Uh, the shepherds, an angelic host. Each of these get told once, right? They each have this revelation at one point, it seems like, and then they go on their way. Joseph gets it twice. And this is fascinating. The first time communicated, we can assume, through Mary, through a human, the second time through an angel. (laughs) Being communicated with the first time by Mary, we can, it it doesn't take a lot for us to envision that conversation being super awkward. Right? You don't have to really use a lot of mind power to imagine what it was like for Mary to say, hey Joseph, can we talk? So our plans have changed a little bit, at least my plans have changed a little bit. I I was, you know, I was told that I'm having a baby. That is a hard conversation. It's a hard conversation to swallow. What she shares doesn't align with the way he understands God working. He has been faithful. He's going to pursue a marriage that's faithful. And then all of a sudden, we're in a grace, right? Mary, who he's loved, honored, wants to cherish the rest of her life. Mary's introduced something that he doesn't know how to deal with. And Joseph doesn't believe her message. He at least doesn't believe her message enough to go along with it right away, right? Uh, being a faithful man, he, he chooses to, it says, divorce her quietly. Now, according to the, the Jewish law, according to the law of the time, he actually could, could have her put to death. Go back and read Deuteronomy 22, right? He could have that happen, but instead of that, he decides to, to do it quietly. Because I think he's like, man, I, I do trust Mary. She's a godly woman, but I don't know what to do with this news. Conflicted, deeply conflicted. And then it says a period of time passes... We don't know how long. It says, all this took, um, where are we? It says, but after he had considered this comma, that comma is a silent, indefinite period of time that was hard. And then we get the second message. is an, an angel who comes to confirm a couple things. One, we, get, we learn that he is Joseph, son of David, right? Angels coming, affirming who he is and, and how he can be it. Someone who helps fulfill the prophecy of God. Second thing is that Mary was right. Literally repeating word for word what the angel said to, what Mary said to him, the angel says exactly to him that she is going to conceive because of the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is that Jesus is the reason. One who would come, Jesus the Savior. Jesus is this rendition of like a variant on the word, the name Joseph, that Jesus would be Savior. These are the three reasons they give. And what is so beautiful about this, this like double message, this like doubt that leads to confirmation is I think it really sets up Joseph to be this father of encouragement to Jesus, that he has this story of doubt to belief that over and over again as Jesus grows, he can tell him as this really adopted father of Jesus. The big question 
um, that I have following that, especially that comma, right? That, that after a while, like the angel comes, is why, why this way, right? These basic, like, you know, salt of the earth men get like literally the best choir performance of all time. Zechariah's in this holy place in the temple. The wise men get the star and Joseph gets an awkward conversation with the person he intends to spend the rest of his life with. <laughs> That's different, you know what I mean? All the other ones were like, and this one's like, you what? <laughs> you're, you're pregnant? Like, very vastly different. So, so why? Well, the true answer is we don't know. What we do know, what we can assume here is that this was a time of confusion and deep heartache for Joseph. He had done what's right, but his plans aren't going as he thought they should or would if he did what was good and right. But in this is teaching and formation of Joseph that would make him the man of strength and fortitude, someone of conviction in this divine impossibility, this, this, I would say, natural impossibility that had to be confirmed through a divine message that would make him the person of conviction that could travel to Bethlehem with a pregnant wife when they haven't consummated the marriage and they go to a place that's familiar to them, probably with family, and they're going to be outcasts. You have to be a person of conviction, to do that, right? To flee when Herod wants to kill them to Egypt and live in a foreign country, helping raise a son that's not his, where there's charges and he comes back of infidelity, there's misunderstanding. Growing up with Jesus, starting to do you know, things, just starting to show his wisdom and, and starting to you know, be that different child. And people say, like they did later in his ministry, isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? And, and him saying, let me tell you a story. Before we were married, Mary came and told me this, and I didn't believe her also. I, I, I didn't believe who Jesus was or would be. And then the angel showed up. Let me tell you what he said. My son will be the savior of the world. But this isn't fair. God absolutely flipped his life around, right? This wasn't following Joseph's plan. No, it was not his plan. But it was better than he deserved. It was part of the salvation plan of God. I don't expect this to solve the problem you're in right now, but to give you maybe an indication that God is doing something different than you expected. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of the most encouraging verses in Scripture is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Joseph's own understanding was all, like even though he was a righteous, faithful man, his understanding couldn't grasp what God was doing. But in all your ways, acknowledge him or submit to God and he will make your path straight. And Joseph's straight path led to Bethlehem a place that maybe no one else would understand, no one else would believe. But that is what trust in God brought him and ultimately cared for the Savior of the world. Isn't that amazing? So, 
it might be, I'm just making a big assumption here, it might be impossible to understand what's going on in your life at this moment. There have never been a set of circumstances or events that have ever been like what led you to the place you're at now. It is unique. So while I can't say for sure, speak into that for what it is, I can give you Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and I can give you Joseph's story. That if you do trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your understanding and all your ways submit to him, I do believe, I do believe that he will make your path straight. Let Joseph's story be an encouragement to you. And what the angel said to him, don't be afraid, I say to you, don't be afraid. Your circumstances, the situation you're in might not make sense. The good thing that you hope for might not be happening. Don't be afraid. Be faithful like Joseph. Trust in God with all your heart. Pursue him in these present circumstances, whatever those circumstances might be, and they might seem horribly unfair. I get that, genuinely. They might seem very, very unfair, but while you might not get the resolve or the you know, bow wrapped on top by Christmas, what I want to invite you to is focusing on what God has already given that is already better than that you deserve. He's given Jesus. That is the good news of Christmas. So whatever your five-year plan is, whatever your career looks like, whatever your relationships look right, like right now, that isn't ultimately what the Bible's informing. It is informing you of this, that God has made a promise. He's fulfilled that promise in Jesus. You're eternally secure in him. I believe if you have come to him by faith, Hold on to that. Trust him with all your heart. And wait to see what he's going to make your straight path point towards. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Father... God, we know that you aren't, um, you don't just exist for our wish fulfillment, even though that's the way we often treat you. But you've done something and you are doing something that's way bigger and way better. Help us trust that. Just throw our hearts at you. Just go take my heart, fill it completely, show me your way. God, that we're not just constantly trying to reduce you to our stories or our plans to follow you where you're going to be led by you for you to make our path straight I'd give us the courage like you gave Joseph to trust that you are doing something even when we don't see it we pray this in Jesus name amen amen we've got a couple ways to worship. We are going to um, take communion together, remembering Jesus' body broken for us and his blood shed for us. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, we invite you to come up and take communion, just remembering that. And if you would like prayer, we also have the Briggs over there to pray for you.